It's time for Bourbon with Friends, the bourbon podcast that never takes itself too seriously. Pull up a chair, grab a glass, and remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. Here we go. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bourbon with Friends presented by Not For Long Media. I uh, got a great episode for you today. We're going to drink some whiskey. We're going to talk about whiskey. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Paul. Paul, what's going on, brother? Man, I'm tired and it is hot. It's all, Paul's in Texas. Paul's in Texas. Then we have the beautiful, the amazing Alexandra, a.k.a. Whiskey Culture, no E. On Instagram. Was that okay, Get Alex? It, guys. Get it, guys. How you doing? Thank you, Connor. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for joining us in, in, in rural Australia. Rural um, Australia. That's right. But anyways, we have, a, we have uh, some special guests on today. And I'm really excited because I have a lot of whiskey in front of me uh, getting ready to taste. And um, I, I am excited to talk about the brand. We have uh, Maggie. And Ben from, is it Midway Distilling or is it Bluegrass, Bluegrass Distillers? I don't really know which one to call it, to be completely honest. It is Bluegrass Distillers. So we have Maggie and Ben from Bluegrass Distillers. Maggie, Director of Marketing. Ben, you are a part owner, correct? Correct. Yep, one of the two owners here. So, well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast. How, how are you guys doing today? We are good now, now that we made it on. We're excited. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to to join you all and sit through some bourbon. I think that's the most exciting part, and the probably the thing that makes Alex the most mad that she's the in Australia in, in July because she doesn't have the whiskey. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could actually hear my eye roll from all the way from <laughs> Australia. I, I knew that I could hear the thunder roll. <laughs> <laughs> it all of a sudden got oh. dark all the way over here in Connecticut. I wonder. I wonder what that was from. So a lot, a lot of people have been kind of talking about, you know, obviously the brand Bluegrass Distillers is, is something that I, I've seen, but Midway, um, you know, kind of a brand that's starting to pop up a lot all over the place and, and people are starting to see it. So why don't we just kind of start off just right off the bat talking about that brand and kind of how that's taking uh, Bluegrass kind of to a, a different level. Sure. Yeah, I'll give a little overview of Midway Distilling and how it sort of came to be. And Maggie, feel free to chime in. But so basically, we are Bluegrass Distillers. We're based out of Lexington, Kentucky. We were established in 2012. First product hit the shelf in 2015. And our flagship bourbons um, have some traditional mash bills. You know, we've got a rye-based bourbon, wheat-based. And over the course of, you know, the past three years, we've, we've also been starting with some more experimental barrel finished products. Um, in parallel, we also bought a farm in Midway, which we're going to be mo- relocating to in the fall. Um, it's on a 62 acre farm. We're going to grow our own corn. And as part of the planning of the, that new location in our sort of next phase as, as bluegrass distillers, we've learned a lot about Midway, which is going to be our new home. One of those things being that we'll be the first distillery to be operational there um, in about, 65 years, I think. Um, Wow. Yeah. So prior to, you know, sort of just after prohibition, Midway, Midway, Kentucky had a huge history um, with various distilleries. 
Um, none of them made it um, very far after prohibition. One of those was the Midway Distilling Company. They did a lot of municipal type whiskey, right? Correct. Yeah. So so they they had a lot that were sort of um, sold as medicinal whiskey um, throughout prohibition. Um, one of those being Midway Distilling Company. And then after prohibition, there was um, actually a very large fire that that destroyed lots of barrel warehouses, lots of distilleries in downtown Midway. And one of those was Midway Distilling Company, and they never reopened their doors. So when we learned about this, and we we also had, you know, had a lot of work where we wanted to sort of do some experimental stuff. We're like, hey, let's revive this brand, give them another shot, and use it as a sort of umbrella under which we do some experimental barrel-finished products. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just a way to, like, not clutter our own brand and identity and also pay tribute to Midway, our new home, um, sort of in in one one fell swoop. So that's where Midway Distilling Company was born. Um, and hmm. since that time, um, which we launched back in November, we've released five uh, barrel finished rye whiskeys as the initial lineup. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that is where Midway Distilling came from. And um, it is all made by bluegrass distillers, but it's sort of one of our alter egos under which we're able to experiment and do some stuff that's not part of our core flagship bourbons. So nice, uh, Maggie. Did I cover all the talking points there? Was that? Yeah, I think I think the main thing, and you know, with with us being like a, a craft brand, you know, a lot of times craft distilleries, you know, run one maybe two mash bills, where we run three mm-hmm. bourbon mash bills. So when we wanted to get into these rye whiskeys and and the barrel finished ryes, we knew that the skews and the brand was just going to, you know, right now it's five, it could be 10 or we could keep it at five or go down to three. So we didn't really know what to expect. And so we just didn't want to clutter the bluegrass brand um, with, with more, more skews. Cause you know, we're, we're going to have 10 year products and 15 year products down the line. So we're kind of trying to keep that bourbon focused. And then the the midway is still part of bluegrass stillers, but it, it keeps it a little bit separate from, from the bourbon. So there's no confusion with all these different products. So that's kind of was the thought about separating the two, but I uh, Connor, it's a, a good question. There are a lot of people that are like, so are you bluegrass? Are you midway? And I think once we get out to midway, it'll, it'll make a little bit more sense because we'll be yeah. Fillers out there yeah. in the way, but uh, yeah, it's common. It definitely makes sense that like, you know, bluegrass is, is the flagship, but then using Midway as the experimental kind of um, brand, for lack of a better term. I mean, I'm, I got here sitting in front of me, uh, rye whiskey, recharge, uh, recharge oak barrel finished rye whiskey, and then rye whiskey finished in rum barrels. So two <clears throat> of those rattles that you guys were discussing, what's, how come you wanted to start midway and, and actually start finishing whiskey? What was the purpose behind that? And finishing? also rye whiskey, because you, there's rye, you don't see a whole lot of finished rye whiskey products on the market. True. Yeah. That's, uh, do you mean, I, I can well, take it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, well, I guess then you can kind of talk more of like why we went rye. Um, but you know, in, in regards to like why we, kind of how this started. It actually started um, because Sam, the the other owner of Bluegrass years ago, it's probably before the pand- pandemic came to me and was like, I want to do a um, bourbon finished in recharred oak barrels. So the reclaimed and recharred you have in front of you is actually was the, the initial thought that we then 
put the other four expressions around um, because it came to me and said, you know, we can't reuse barrels. We're not Jim Beam or any of these big distilleries that are sending barrels overseas and all over, you know, everywhere. We work with wineries and breweries and we age honey and syrup and all sorts of things in our barrels, but we don't have, you know, a a steady stream of where our barrels are going. So he was like, what about if we scrape the barrels, um, rechard them and finish a bourbon in there? So that was his idea years ago. And then I guess a little bit more than a year ago, um, when we were looking at doing rise. Um, and a lot of that had to do with just kind of what we hear from um, other people in the industry is that, you know, there's kind of this rye revolution happening right now, especially with the cocktail culture really taking off. Um, that's where we see a lot of success with this midway line is a lot of on-premise bars and restaurants for cocktails. Um, so when once we kind of were getting that kind of feedback from a lot of distributors and um, different accounts, we said, okay, let's, let's go back to this reclaim and rechard thing. And um, we decided to do it with the rye whiskey. And then we just built off from there with the different expressions. Connor, what'd you, what'd you pour? The rechard. All right. Well then let's talk about that one. Let's go. Let's let's just do, let's just talk about that one first. Um, I think I said it last week. I'm super, super excited to see um, these finished uh, barrels coming through, through um, from the States. Like I know that the, Scotland and Australia always use secondary barrels. So I love, and especially seeing rye finished off in cool, sorry, cool barrels like rum casks. What else do you finish in? So you've got the Richard. Yeah, so we have two, uh, the initial release, we have two uh, barrel finished ryes. We have the Reclaimed and Richard, which is essentially a double Mm -hmm. oaked. Um, And then we have a toasted French oak. Um, so those are the two barrel finish. And then we have three spirit finished. Those include a vermouth finish, a sauternes finished, and a rum finished. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, we tried to sort of uh, – it was – to add on to what Maggie said, it really was the culmination of, like, the ultimate groupthink project because we sort of talked to our distributors, got some intel. We talked to our barrel um, suppliers, got some intel on what barrels they had. And it sort of came together – I love the way it did come together because we finished with, as I said, some of these like sweeter spirit finishes, like the rum one or the sauternes, and then also some of the more classic barrel finish um, <laughs> products. So I think it gave us a good range to get started with. So the recla- uh, the reclaimed and rechard, it's a it's a hundred and ten proof. What's the mash bill on the rye? Is it a ninety five five? It is. Yeah. So they're all ninety five five. They're all MGP sourced rye whiskey. Um. So, and they're all at 110 proof. So that's another cool thing is that when you go across the finishes, you are literally, the only variable you're changing is what barrels finished in. So the interesting part about this to me is you get the rye spice on the nose. It's very, you know, you get that full rye spice, but you also get almost like a little bit of a caramel vanilla note in it when you drink it, which is different than a normal rye. You get the baking spice, but with that kick of sweetness. And I was thinking like honey, Paul. Yeah. I was getting a lot of honey on it. It's very, it's very unique in that aspect with the when with the rye. So I've had like a double barreled or double oak rye before, and I don't get that. But I think it's because you rechar the the barrel on instead of it just going into a double barrel. That's where you're getting a little bit more of that sweet flavor profile. And how long do you aid do the secondary aging process? So that that's a variable. 
we're experimenting with. We do it to taste, but on average, it's, you know, two to four months. And that's um, for the, the reclaim and recharge or all of them? Uh, all of them. It, we, we don't have a, a sort of prescribed age. Um, it's, we sort of, you know, taste them incrementally and say, okay, this is about where, where we want to pull it out at. Cause so even, yeah, it, it's almost like in essence, kind of almost like a single barrel kind of mentality because two batches might not taste 100% equally. You're going based off taste and flow flavor profile of each batch. Exactly. Exactly. Cause even, you know, for these spirit based barrels, when we get them, they're not all created equal. Some of them right. may have come directly. Some of them may have dried out a little more. So we are trying to find sort of a uniform taste profile, but it is, you know, everyone is unique. So, and we actually are starting a single barrel program as part of this. Oh, cool. Um, oh, awesome. Which Maggie can talk to. So there will be, you know, ones that people, um, you know, do private selections on and are able to sort of decide when they want to pull it because that's the other thing thing is like deciding how much of that secondary note you want to impart upon that rye whiskey. So, so the second bottle we have is the, uh, Colonel Francisco, uh, rye whiskey Asian rum barrels. And it's kind of paying homage to someone who helped kind of pave the way for Midway to be founded. Um, and then also kind of the fact that whiskey was expensive and or inexpensive when rum was getting taxed. So there's a story kind of behind this one. Love for you to maybe elaborate on that a little bit more. Maggie, you want to start yeah. off on that? Um, yeah. So we actually, Midway is a is a really neat town. Um, it's a small town and the people there are full of knowledge and they know so much about the history of Midway. So when we started this line, um, I actually reached out to a group of historians in Midway and I was like, hey, you know, we we have some names for these products. I said, I do have one product though, that I just can't figure out a name for. Like it's, we have a rum finish that we're wanting to do. I'm having a hard time finding a midway tie that kind of has a rum tie to it. Um, and so the, the group there, you know, she, this girl, Christy took it to her group and got all sorts of feedback. Um, and so we settled on the name Colonel Francisco. So Colonel John Francisco actually sold his 216 acre farm to the Lexington, Ohio railroad, um, which made way for the town of Midway to be built. So his, his property is current day Midway, Kentucky. Um, and around that same time is when that popularity of American whiskey was rising um, and, and rum was a highly taxed and tariffed. And so it's kind of blending um, the two, you know, we're kind of paying homage to, you know, the man who made Midway possible and kind of um, the time period of the founding of Midway back in the 1830s. So, um, so that's how it got its name. And uh, John Francisco, actually, it's kind of funny because they said, you know, he did not want to sell sell the property to Midway. Um, it kind of was forced upon him. And once he sold it, he moved. I believe he moved to Missouri and he never came back and actually died there and is buried in Missouri. So uh, it's kind of cool to bring back his name because, it, you know, that is his farm. That is now Midway and where we're moving to. And nice. it's kind of the blend of the two. Yeah. Every time, every time I hear Francisco, totally off topic. Every time I hear Francisco, I always think of that scene in Elf when he's just walking in with James Caan. Rest in peace, by the way. He's like, oh, Francisco, Francisco. <laughs> That's all I'm going to think about now. I didn't think Alex, about Alex, come that. get your kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally every time I hear Francisco. 
Francisco, Francisco. But it's awesome to have like, <clears throat> you know, this, uh, it, like it all, co- it all comes together. This particular bottling, this rye finishing in, in uh, rum, rum barrels, it all comes together. There's a really like tangible story behind it. I love a whiskey with a story behind it. So a lot of people ha- say they have whiskeys with stories behind them, but this is like as tangible as it gets. Like it all intertwines. It all comes into one. And um, I actually, I, you know, just on nose and taste, it's, I don't know about you, Paul. I'm not getting like a whole lot of rum aspects maybe in some rye whiskeys i'm, that I'm a little bit more before. sensitive to rum i think so i get it a little bit more but i get it but i get it, i i get enough where it's like okay this is definitely finished yes. and i enjoy how subtle it is is my overarching point of yeah the subtle kind of darker sweetness to it while mm-hmm. still maintaining again that kind of it's this is also 110 proof so and it's um, it, maintaining that rice spice neither of these to me drink like 110 though uh, especially like the reclaim and recharge. I think that one's got a, a sweetness to it. That's one of those that I think you're sitting out by a fire, having a cigar, you're in trouble. Cause you like drink two thirds, like a third of the bottle, two thirds. I was about to say, Jesus, that would have been bad. A third <laughs> really of the bottle. Yeah. yeah. Then you stand That's up. That's us in a like, few oh. weekends. Paul. Yeah. And you stand up and you're like, Oh shit. Uh, the, the, there's gravity. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those. Um, the other one, like, <laughs> look, I'll be honest, I'm not a big rum fan, so it's not like that one's not my cup of tea as much, but I really like to reclaim and recharge that, but I'm, I like double oak stuff. That one to me is like, is like sneaky, really good, especially for someone who's not been a huge rye fan for, for a while. Uh, Connor's not been a huge rye fan either, but I, that one to me is actually like very, very good. And I can, like, I'm already starting to think of like different things you could pair like chocolates or or cigars and things like that that would go with it that would make it very you know very enticing I, as well. I think the same I, thing about the the um the rum finished one. I kind of have the same feelings on that. Sneaky good and it's like I can the first thing I envisioned myself was like a nice cigar with this rum barrel finish because it's just ever so sweet um with a great amount of that rye spice. I mean again 55% ABV. I would never have guessed that be a hundred proof, but not, not over that. So that that's, that's dangerous. And I, and I, I'm a dangerous man. So that's actually my middle name. I don't know if you guys knew that again, Alex, come get your kid. <laughs> I, however, am a huge rye fan and I'm super jealous that I'm not trying this right now. Super jealous. I bring we'll, some we'll over. We'll have it waiting out. for you. Yeah. We'll have some waiting for you, Alex, when you return to the States. Oh no! Um, I'm I'm officially here in Australia. Um, oh. yeah. So um, when we launch in I, Australia, we'll let you know for sure. I would love that. Actually, that'd be amazing. <laughs> it's a hell of a whiskey scene, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's and Alex quite runs a big it. One. Yeah. Oh come should on, we, guys! Should we talk about <laughs> how much of a badass Alex is again on like the Fifth Street <laughs> show to make her blush? I, well, I, we can. Um, I can I can see her blush blush in her and her videos not even on. That's how much she's. Can blushing. you also see the fingers up right now? <laughs> I sure can, Alex. Middle finger. <laughs> I, I've um, seen that I from have... you so many times. I'm immune to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question um, for you, Ben. Um, I like to focus on where the people of whiskey came from. So tell me about your background and your step into owning a whiskey brand. Sure. Yeah. Um, so Sam Rock, who's one of the founders, uh, the other owner, he's not on mm-hmm. today, but um, I moved back to Lexington um, after living up in New York 
for about 10 years working there as an engineer. And I met Sam and uh, we worked on a couple projects together. But, you know, at the time he was getting started with bluegrass distillers and I was just always so curious, you know, asking questions, trying to understand what that means to start a distillery from scratch. Um, maybe three summers ago at this point, he gave me a call and said, Hey, Hey Ben, we're thinking, we're trying to scale this business because at that point, bluegrass distillers would have been, um, seven years old, eight years old. Yeah. Uh, in that, in that range. And he sort of realized that to get to the next level, they got to, they had to start thinking long-term, you know, just in terms of like what they're putting away because it is such a, a long game. And so that started the discussion. And I started working on some projects with the team there, Maggie, who was, who's basically running the place for, for most of the past five years, um, <laughs> just sort of working on projects. And, and it got to the point where I was like, yeah, I think I can actually sort of add some value and, and we can work together on it. And at that point, it was literally, we were about to, I was about to buy in. It was right when the pandemic started, which mm-hmm. was really interesting timing because at one point I did have, he did ask me like, do you still want to do this? Like we were probably going to get shut down. And I was, I was so infatuated with the distillery and bluegrass distillers and the potential there that I was like, absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm in. So the day after I said that and I bought in, uh, everything got shut down, including the tasting room. And it was a little nerve wracking. <laughs> it was a little nerve wracking for about a week. We weren't quite sure the way, you know, sort of the business would, would move forward um, because most of our revenue was based out of our tasting room and people coming in for, oh, wow. for tours on the craft bourbon trail. Right. But, uh, and then, and then we got, you know, the FDA gave us permission to make hand sanitizer and we started making hand sanitizer as much as we could. Um, and we, we didn't have to lay anybody off. We actually were able to hire some people um, and, and really got a glimpse of what large scale manufacturing um, allows a brand to do in terms of growth and experimentation, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. So, so anyway, and here we are, you know, and, and after then coming out of that, you know, we realized, Hey, we, we need to start sourcing some product up until that point, we had never sourced any product, you know? And so, Midway was one of that was another culmination or sort of in, in influences into the creation of Midway is like we need to be able to scale our brand to take advantage of all the creative energy we have here, even if we don't have the juice. And so right. Maggie and I, you know, and, and the rest of the team, but Maggie really spearheaded the creation of Midway Distilling Company, you know, thinking through sort of product identity product development for every single one of these products. And, and as she mentioned, it really was like a, a group, a group think project. Like it wasn't just, we sort of iterated our way through thousands of options to get to these five sort of products. And, and now we're doing some more of that on the bluegrass distiller side, but it was a bit of a change for the business in terms of like, okay, in order for us to keep growing, we're going to need to source some product and we're going to need to figure out how to put our own mark on it. And that's really, you know, one of this, one of the impetus for the barrel finishing series was like, we don't want to bring stuff through that we're not putting our own mark on. You know, we want to, even if we're not distilling it, we want to make sure that we're making it our own in, in one way or another. And so that was sort of basically my, my foray into bluegrass distillers and also the birth of Midway Distilling Company in one sort of. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. And it was a, it was a roller coaster. Lots of ups. I lots can of imagine. Two, <laughs> yeah. two, two stones, one bird, as they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I, by, the, by the way, I just want to yeah. say shout out, 
shout out to Maggie for everything you just said, but also shout out to Maggie because she sneaky just killed a bottle live on the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving. I already told you all I'm moving. So my like when 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 we had this podcast going, I was like, what am I going to drink? And I was like, you know what? I'm really low on this bottle of blue corn. <laughs> so, just just <laughs> funny that is. You know, look, guys, I'm not drinking that much. I just don't want to take the shit with me. So I'm just going to drink the rest. I'm just going to finish the bottle on the podcast and see what happens. Right. So, right. And I respect that. And Maggie, same question uh-huh. for you. Um, you just We've just found out that you're basically bossing the hell out of this distillery. So tell us about your journey into whiskey. Yeah. Um, ben gave me a lot of credit there, but um, I actually... It's probably well-deserved. I actually interned um, at Bluegrass Distillers the summer before my senior year at the University of Kentucky. Uh, my degree is in marketing and management. So I interned there over the summer and worked like one or two days a week during the school year. Um, and then as graduation's approaching, you know, you have these thoughts like, oh, I'm going to go move to a big city. I'm going to, you know, do all these things. And then you start looking at jobs and you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound great. Um, so when I got close to graduating, Sam, who Ben mentioned, the uh, one of the founders and the other owner um, was kind of like, all right, you, you need to stay here. You should stay with us. Uh, this was... May of 2018, he was like, we're going to be moving. We're going to be moving in the next year, maybe two years, which would have put the timeline at, uh, you know, 2020. Um, and here we are 2022 and we're about to move. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So, um, yeah, so I've been with bluegrass full time since I graduated back in, in May of, of 2020. So it was cool. Um, I'm from Louisville, so I'm a Kentucky girl. I, um, Oh, can you just say that again for me? Say it again. Say uh, Louisville. 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 Oh, yeah. I like just say Louisville, like a rookie. Louisville. Wow. <laughs> Louisville. I'm from yeah, Connecticut and I know how to say it. Yeah. I'm throwing the L's down right now, by the way. I know. I'm actually a Louisville fan. I'm a UK grad. It's it's a whole thing. But I'll, um, I'll throw the double L's down. There. I know. She I, likes to remind us all the time. So. Right. I, it, it's all right because I, all you have to do is wait till the season starts, and you don't need to do right. the reminding. The team's kicking ass, remind the poor. Right. I've spent Absolutely. a lot of money. I've I've, I've spent a lot of money. Um, I you know going to school at UK, so all the the dorms and all the new stuff there. You know, my tuition dollars went to the University of Kentucky, not the Thank University. Thank you for your service. So, yeah. So, I mean, it can't be that bad. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been, I've been with Bluegrass ever since, um, kind of done a little bit of everything, you know, tours and just as, as we've grown, just kind of stepped into, to different roles along the way. Um, so it's been really cool to kind of work from the, the ground floor um, up and even for, you know, my career, this is the only place I've, I've ever worked since I've graduated and. So that's so many unusual things coming out of COVID new grad automatically gets a job in the degree that you actually got. Like, I feel like that's unusual. Now half the people I know the needle. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry. She's bottle killing on a podcast right now. I think she's winning it live. (laughs) She has arrived. I was trying to be discreet. I was you you were like this. You were literally like this on the podcast. Maggie, are you are you single? Because I think (laughs) you would be a good match for Connor. We need to we need he needs to settle down. Oh Oh, what uh, what are you doing, man? (laughs) What are you doing? I have Come a boyfriend. On. He actually works in bourbon too. So see, if she didn't have a boyfriend, see how perfect that would have been. <laughs> oh my god! I am so whiskey. sorry, Maggie. Do you know wow. what, guys? I'm right here. This is not fair. Connor and I are forever. 
Like, what's going on, Paul? Connor and I are forever. This is turning into something I don't know I want to get into. So let's change up this. So let's get into this toasted egg. Somebody's going to hit me. To add one one comment there, though, because actually, Connor, your point earlier, talking about the story and and the the bourbon industry and, and these products, you know, Maggie is a marketer. Like that's, that's one hat she wears, but going through the process of creating this brand, I feel like she is like the most qualified person in the world to market it because she literally pieced that story together and it's a living story. So sorry to take it all serious, but like like some dots connected there. And I was like, man, that's why, that's why it's got so much legs is because she's, that's like connecting all these dots. And so. This I'm glad you highlighted that. Yeah. This is why I invited Ben to be my hype. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, love hype I love the hype, you know? It's well, let's transition a little bit into the uh, the straight... Toasted Oak. Uh, toasted, toasted Oak. Toasted Oak. Yeah, because yeah, I'm so, drinking it and I am enjoying it. I, uh, it's, it's, I was nosing it and the thing that I got on it was like banana cream. Yeah, good. I was trying like banana pudding almost. It's 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 wow, disgusting good how one. good my nose is, right? So yes. uh, this was a limited release, no right? one hundred proof, uh, toasted, finished in a lightly toasted oak barrel, um, and it's got your what? Ma- I think Mash Bill One. Can you say what Mash Bill One is or no? Yeah, so Mash Bill One is seventy five percent corn, twenty one percent rye, four percent malted barley. So it's a classic mm-hmm. Mash Bill. Um, yeah you know, with a high rye content, but the, uh, the toasted, oat, the toasting, you know, finish, it really rounds it out perfectly. I think because uh, you get oh that robust God. flavor. Yeah. And speaking of earlier, you go talking about drinking bourbon around a campfire. So internally, a lot of our tasting notes for this one center around like marshmallows, s'mores. I'm getting marshmallows too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like the perfect combination of sweet with like that, that robust kick. Um, but it is, you know, at, at, at the proof, it's very smooth and very drinkable. Guys, either your whiskey yeah. doesn't drink like the proof, or I'm getting the Rona again because <laughs> I do not taste the hundred proof on this. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't guess it. Like drinking it, I mean, it goes down real, real easy. Like just like the other two at 110, would not have guessed that either. So, um, not jealous. Marshmallow, banana, <laughs> it's all perfect. I definitely yeah. get like a little toasted marshmallow in that. So, um, yeah. my nose is not, it's not totally like saying get the out of here you don't know what you're doing so i'm really excited about that and on top of it i had to help connor with his tasting notes did, so you, did you just mute yourself on the podcast did no. you just mute your did you just censor yourself why would i censor myself it sounded like you did i don't know maybe it's just bad i think that's just i wanted to make thinking. sure just wish i wanted to make sure you weren't changing that's no, all it's just wishful thinking on your part no i want you to cuss <laughs> i like when you cuss gentlemen play nice Shit. Sorry, sorry, Alex. <laughs> Why they need what, you? What, Alex. what podcast did you come on, Alex? <laughs> Came here to keep you boys on the straight and narrow. <laughs> well, at least for one month. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, for one month at least. For one month. So the the last thing we've got here is the uh, uh, blue dog whiskey, <laughs> which I would assume is for the blue corn. Mm-hmm. I, how do I say this? Blue corn, white dog? Like, is that just the way that I do it? Like, I, I don't know if that's the right way to put it or not. We just call it blue dog. It's, you know, instead of being our, our white dog or white lightning, we just call it call it the blue dog. Um, but yeah, that's explain just, that to me. 
That's a, that's definitely something Sam came up with before I was there. Um, he, yeah, we had the blue dog out. So when I first started at the distillery, we had, we didn't even have a two-year product. So the only uh, blue porn product we had was what they called blue dog. White dog. At the time. Oh. Um, so it's just our, our white lightning, white dog. It's just, um, you know, right off the still proof down to hundred proof. Um, but I wanted to include it in, in the kit to you all because it's, it's very unique compared to other white dogs or, um, you know, other, yeah. gosh, what's the other word? White lightning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many names for, you know, your moonshine, whatever. Um, it, Alex, it's- Alex, if you're not following, so the, the blue corn is the base for this blue right. dog. That's, oh, so that's, that's the, why, the, that's, yeah. that was my yeah. question. That's why, why we got the blue, blue dog, in there. Not white dog. Yeah. Okay, right. Cool. Yeah. And we're in, you know, wildcat country here, you know, the basketball capital of the world. Um, yep, so the, up, the blue, we were thinking we could appeal to the, the locals yeah. as a yeah, Louisvillian. Maggie was very against it, but it's okay. Yeah. I really <laughs> like that. That's awesome. It's very unique though. Like you get a lot of the, you know, a lot of people say to us, you know, what's the difference between yellow corn and blue corn. And um, it, when you just start with trying the distillate, you can already taste the difference Ooh. between the two. Uh, blue corn is a lot more floral, a lot more nutty in flavor, uh, which is why it pairs really well with wheat as a secondary grain. So included in what we sent you all is, is an unaged blue corn. So you can try it before it enters the barrel. And then you will have the blue corn bottled and bond, which is about a four and a half year old hundred proof product, obviously. So um, yeah, Alex, I didn't realize I was like, oh, the, the blue dog, but you don't, you don't have a bottle in front of you again. No, um, but I am now. Australia, <laughs> you, you've just given me a, um, a new bucket list in whiskey because I've never sat and compared, and I know I'm going to geek out right now, a yellow corn and a blue corn, white spirit. So that's super exciting, and now I've got to go source some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's yeah, the yeah. Uh, significance? <laughs> what's, what's the significance behind the, the blue it's corn? It's a little tart to me. So, yeah, so blue corn, it is an heirloom grain, so it hasn't been genetically modified or optimized for volume. So like in a pound of blue corn, you get so much more flavor packed in. And I've, I've shared it with, you know, a bunch of buddies that are really into bourbon and, and I'll ask them what age they think it is. And it always almost doubles what they think it might be because it's so complex earlier, just because of all that flavor, all those esters in there, it's just like. And, and it's the like a different think, variety. Yeah, exactly. It really is. It's all, and, like schooner barley. Like I know when we talk barley, schooner's uh, a heritage variety. Was it okay. created? Um, and it's the same thing with blue corn and yellow corn. So it's just yeah. a different variety. And with those different varieties, um, through the mashing in process, you'll actually have different um, compounds released because of that heritage grain. Yeah. Absolutely. You're such I mean, a nerd, Alex. You said it with such lust behind it, though. Like you're such a nerd, Alex. Of course, I did. I am a bit nerdy. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I mean, I was at the table dropping. Like, um, yeah, no, I was, I was nerding out big time last night about a whole heap of different things. So, sorry, I didn't mean to take it nerdy. No, I like when you take it nerdy. So it sounds like. Blue corn is like a cheat code to make it taste older than it actually is. That's essentially layman's terms. 
No, age, different. Yeah, different. So I think complexity wise, maybe, but yeah, uh, yeah, the age thing I threw in there, but it it really just has like, tastes earthier, nuttier. Like it just has a lot more sort of stuff that makes you go, hmm, what's that note? You know, it's like, um, it's just different. So I don't know why I think it's tart. I think it's just because it's different to me, but, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just, different from like normal like white dog that i would expect like it kind of smells similar to like normal white dog but it definitely tastes different it's not as like to me pronounced sweet as like yellow corn would be yeah i follow like nuttiness is there for sure yeah can i um can i geek out for two more seconds tell me about the kit you've got in the distillery so your stills right so that is one thing that differentiates us quite a bit is we have two uh 250 gallon pot stills in the distillery yeah. so we've always we all of our products um that we make are are pot stilled and um that's my jam i yeah. love me some pot stills yeah we have we've realized that there <laughs> it, you know the yeah there are people that are diehard pot still aficionados and we would love you to come visit alex <laughs> hashtag still right alex um still feed, that's it one of the reasons i am in apart from the fact that i'm from here but i came uh back to a town called griffith yesterday here in australia in rural australia was to go to burns fabrication which is one of the big or well, not big manufacturers of pot stills here in australia so they're doing they've got orders up to 2025 for pot stills um wow. and i was walking around the um the factory yesterday and I've never seen, I've never had so much copper contact in my life. So I'm quite obsessed with it. So how big were they? Did you say 250? 250 is the the original and the other one's about 300 gallons. So, you know, there's, they're the size of a large walk-in refrigerator. They're not, they're not huge or not walk-in, I guess, but you know, they're not huge. So we're running them 24 seven, almost just in an effort to try to make as much as we can out of our current, yeah. Infrastructure. How many so. um, barrels in, do you produce a year? Uh, we're on track at about 30 a month. So about 360, 360. Nice. Wow. So, so we're definitely a craft. Our new location that we've sort of alluded to in Midway, we are going to be getting the column and, and a larger pot still. So we'll have both, you know, in, in operation. Um, so we can sort of figure out how to align with our, our current taste flavor profile but also like scale up you know to be able to create more so the other yeah, that was my thing next about, question yes what, yeah, what, so, what are you scaling up to so i've just worked out it's about a thousand liter pot still for any of you you australians listening that's a good round number um the other interesting thing about blue corn is it's not available as a commodity for purchase so we have had to grow our own corn as part of this product which is one oh, reason wow. it is oh. so rare um, three years ago, Maggie, I think that's the right year, but we, we had a crop 19. Yes. That, that's about right. Ago. Yeah. Three years ago we had a crop and that was going to be the first, you know, ability for us to ramp up blue corn. And about a month before harvest, the entire crop blew down. Um, because, you know, as I mentioned, it's not genetic GMO. So the stocks are very thin. So like it just blew the whole thing down, which was a travesty, but we're growing more and there's going to be a lot more blue corn in the future. So look at How did it blow down? Love that. Just Wind. bad weather? Yeah, just bad weather. You, I mean. Being a harvesting yeah. girl, I've harvested corn off the ground before from a bad wind crop. It should was, have brought you in. 
Yeah. It was like a short, <laughs> like it was September of 2019, if I'm remembering correctly. And it was, it rained so much. I think every weekend in September, it poured. I mean, cause I, th- I think there were a lot of hurricanes that hit. So we just got those yeah. winds and the rain with them. And so I think it blew it over and then it drowned it. And yeah. yeah, it was, it was a total wash mm-hmm. and then overkill. Yeah. Literal yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literal wash. And then uh 2020 rolled around and, you know, we didn't know if we were going to make it or our focus had kind of turned to sanitizer and we didn't know what was going to happen in the world. So there's kind of a, a period of time where the blue corn, we weren't, we weren't distilling it. Um, and, and the 2020, so you weren't allowed to distill apart from hand sanitizer during the pandemic. It wasn't that we weren't allowed. It's just that we didn't have the uh, revenue to provide. <laughs> we were okay. focused yeah. on trying to just stay in business and, and, and it was just a small gap, but we did lose sight of some of the long-term planning stuff. And, and like I said, mm-hmm. you know, because blue corn is something we have to, it just takes a lot more planning and work than yeah, cool. the other mash bills. So yeah. is, okay, is, cool. the, is the distilling process actually longer as well, or is it just the finishing? No, no it's about the same. It, it, you know, it's uh, it is a purple, like we probably have some videos on our Instagram, but it's a, it's a really cool purple mash, which makes it, you know, people love it on a tour because it just looks so different than any other uh, cook or fermentation they've seen. But it, it's very, it's almost a surreal purple, almost like your background, Connor. I don't know if that's a, uh, one of your club lights back there, but it's, it's that similar color. I have, I have parties. Yeah. <laughs> Invite only parties are going on over here. So nice. I think I hear Alex in the other room. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's very similar to like. Uh, oh, um, look at him blush. <laughs> I got rosacea, bro. Yeah, why do, why sure. do you think my it's camera's a serious condition? Today, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See what happens when you drink whiskey? Condition. Shit just comes out. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it with you, with you lot. Um. Now, what do you drink when you're not getting high on your own supply, guys? Say it again. Sorry. <laughs> What do you drink when you're not getting high on your own supply? Uh, I thought you said something way different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Glad we uh, Wish, got wishful thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what are you guys drinking like outside of your own stuff? What are, you, what are your go tos? You want me to go? Oh, man. Sure. You just came off vacation. So, you, you, you I must, know. I actually really... drink a lot of bourbon on vacation. <laughs> I like don't discriminate. Um, beer, wine, gin, bourbon, all of it. Um, it kind of depends. I was just looking at my cart um, when I was trying to empty some bottles. Um, I try to drink a lot of the craft stuff, you know, uh, Peerless. I have a friend that works at Rabbit Hole. So, I have a lot of that. Uh, nice. A lot of Heaven Hill products. Um, I've, I have a lot of friends kind of around and so I try to support them, but I do like what Peerless has been doing. Um, trying to think we have a really good relationship with wilderness trail. So I, I got a few bottles of that. I do like their stuff. They actually store barrels for us, but, um, yeah, for me, it kind of depends. I drink more weeded bourbons during this time of year. I'll lean Same. more rye bourbons or rye whiskey as it gets colder. Um, yeah. 
this time of year too, I'll drink more gins and light beers and during the winter, not so much. Um, so yeah. Uh, but I don't have a, I don't have a go-to other than, other than ours, but that's what during I was the, like, During the winter, you're slamming back the Guinnesses, just the dark stouts. <laughs> no, no, no. I just go off maybe an IPA. A- I go maybe to an IPA and, and that's it. But, uh, when it comes to bourbon, you know, I like something with a little bit more spice during the winter and something a little bit sweeter during the summer. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I interned at the distillery when I was 21. So I really kind of like grew up on, on our stuff. On. Um, yeah, good point. So, so I'm I'm kind of good with whatever, you know. I would drink our stuff when it was two years, so I'm not I'm not a snob, you know. I I don't need a twelve year, fourteen year to impress me, um, but but I try to support the craft and, and and kind of drink drink through those and and try new ones every time I'm out doing a, a tasting or at a liquor store. Try to pick up a, a different bottle and sample nice. that out to all my friends. So. What do you drink during the annual ass kip- kicking Kentucky gives Louisville? Um, just <laughs> besides <laughs> your tears, barrel proof, so I forget it quick. <laughs> Whatever, yeah, barrel strength, anything. If it's one hundred and thirty, <laughs> forget. <laughs> Y'all got any stag junior back there? <laughs> So yeah, just, just whatever at that point, but, uh, yeah. And I do love cast strength stuff too. I mean, that took me a few years to get to, um, wasn't a bourbon drinker before I started working at a distillery, but yeah, anything cast strength, I'm, I'm going to get a bottle. I love 120 plus proof stuff now. So, so you guys are moving. What's, you know, we kind of cover that. I, you know, I saying what's the next kind of big thing for you guys, obviously moving and, and, and grooving and shaking into a new location is one, but like, you know, what's the roadmap, you know, the next, you know, year or two that we can expect to see from you guys from a product perspective. So, so yes, we will be opening in the fall with the tasting room in the first quarter of next year distilling in terms of the product roadmap. We have actually, what you what you see in terms of our products, we've even put put a lot of time over the past year, like getting those in place. And even though Midway Distilling is what we're tasting today, it is very new. It's like you know eight months since launch. So we're going to be focusing in on these, like just making them as good as we can in terms of like consistency. We're working on our single barrel program for people that want to try to find a unique uh, flavor profile or experience. Um, but really it's just sort of scaling those up and getting better at them, you know, day by day. Um, right. On the toasted Oak side, similar. Um, that's going to become, even though the, it initially was a limited release, we've realized that it, it's something we can do really, really well. And so we're just going to continually keep refining that, you know, in terms of like the secondary aging where we got a tasting panel sort of working on our process to try to get some consistency there, but we'll also have a single barrel opportunity for people for stores or bars to, to select. But so in terms of that roadmap, we're just hoping to basically amplify what we currently have and what we've put in place because most of last year was really spent getting these things off the ground. And now we're just trying to take flight, you know, or stay we did a whole rebrand in the beginning of 2021. So if, if anyone's yeah. familiar with, with our brand, you know, prior you used to, to have that, like the bottles yeah. with like the white lettering on it and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. we had a, it. It was a jockey. So our bottle's always been a yeah. jockey, but it, you know, we got a lot of like crossing guards, seat belts, police officer, like Mountie. And I, you know, I tell people like whatever, whatever made you buy it. If you thought it was a police officer and that's why you bought it, that's fine. Um, so we, <laughs> we spent the last part of 2020 and launched all of the, the bluegrass brand really, you know, reimagined new labels, new logo, all of that early 2021. And then we probably had a downtime of what, like maybe a month and a half then. And then we're like, Oh, we got to do this midway line. So 2021 was the year of yeah, okay. just product development nonstop. <laughs> Logos so nonstop. We're like, how many, um, how many States are you guys currently in and kind of what's the roadmap, you know, goal for the end of 2022 into 23 into how many you want to be in? So right now we're in, I think, five states. We launched in Michigan earlier this year. And then we're actually about to launch in Texas, which is massive for us. Yeah, it's a big whiskey market. Three states in one, too. Just even from a fulfillment standpoint, you know, Right now, you know, as, as Ben's kind of mentioned, like our capacity and what we're producing, we also hand bottle everything and there's like five to six people and they, they run our bottling line and they also have other jobs with us. And so it's, um, you know, the distribution where it's really taking off and uh, Texas is going to be, you know, great for us. Um, So we're, we're trying to right now focus on the states that we have um and and grow you know grow those make sure that they're in a really good place and bring on a few states every year i'm I'm sure you know three years from now when we put back a couple thousand barrels once we move to the new place um the goal would be to be in most states but right now we're trying to to grow at a slow pace, work with distributors that understand our brand and our, you know, who we are and our, our capacity and our limits right now, especially in regards to certain products that we have and, and uh, yeah, and continue to grow. So Michigan and Texas are, are this year. Um, and, and we're, we're kind of looking at, at some other States and a lot of, I'm sure, as you all know, the online platforms are, are so big. And so getting into some online retailers, some more of those. So more people across the country and across the wor- world for you, Alex, can can get a hold of Bluegrass Distillers. Bring uh, it on. <laughs> Send it my way. Yeah. So we're, we're working on it. We're working on, you know, Canada a little bit. And, and again, it's, it's mostly for us relationship based, just under getting, getting distributors and people that, you know, understand who we are and and that we are somewhat limited um, and, and are willing to grow with us um, as we grow are kind of the, the big things. And if it works out, we're like, all right, let's go into a new state. If not, we're like, let's hold off a few years or a few months or find someone else. So that's kind of the, the plan right now. Patient, patience is a virtue. Right. You have to be in bourbon, right? We're we, you couldn't get into this industry if you're not patient. Right. <laughs> True that. Yeah. Man. Well, the guys, this has been really fun. I've uh, been, been a blast to try the, try the whiskey and, and definitely get some new things. I'm really, really digging this uh, rechard uh, uh, and reclaimed oak barrel. So I'm definitely going to dive into that. And I love the that toasted was- oak. The, the, I, I, that's phenomenal. I really like that a lot. If you come in, if you come, if you uh, come into Connecticut, I'll buy every bottle. 
we'll hold you to that. Because I'm going to get yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please don't. Please actually don't. We also. haven't recorded, so. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Oh, my God, jeez. <laughs> awesome. Tell um, the people where they can uh, find you on, um, like, on uh, all the social medias and your website, where they can buy your bottles, and you know all that, all that stuff that people need to know. Yeah, so um, our website is bluegrassdistillers.com. We do have a tab on there for distribution, so you can um, see the map, see if anything's close to you, and we have links to a few sites that we um, online partners that we work with, so you can check those out and see if they ship to your state or territory. Um, and then we are on Instagram and Facebook at Bluegrass Distillers. And if you're on TikTok, and now TikTok. yeah, we're on TikTok. This way you got to get, you got to get, college oh, you got to get the college. I'm the talk. You on TikTok. <laughs> I'm going in to follow you guys. Yeah. So we just got on that about a month ago. Um, so we're on TikTok now too. I think Bluegrass Distillers, you can search us. So um, yeah, give us a follow, give us a shout. And, we're up to a lot of good stuff and we're always posting, you know, talking about Midway, we're always posting renovation updates of the farm. So, uh, yeah, follow yeah, along follow because we, you know, we, in our little location now, we saw over 10,000 people, 16,000 people last year, but we're hyping up and people are following along this, this build out of the new location. Cause it really is, it's, it's just the next level. So we invite y'all if you're in Lexington or Midway, come by and see us. And we'll, you know, I'm uh, close we'll to around. Midway, so yeah. the gift shop Absolutely, that we're moving man. into, like the house that we're moving into, not just to keep dragging this along, but um, the house that we're moving into that's going to be our visitor center was actually built in the 1830s. So um, we're kind of doing, you know, some restoring of that. Um, you know, peeled down some wallpaper and going to paint it, and the the flooring's original, and the staircase is beautiful and original. So um, wow. it, it's a really neat it's a really neat place that we're moving to. And um, there's a lot of history there too. So we're, we're excited to build off that and excited to kind of now that we're able to do more out there and get it going, bring people along on that journey as well. So you said, you said the 1830s, that's super exciting. Mm-hmm. 1835 actually yep. wow that's only a few years older than paul but anyways guys thank you guys for coming on uh maggie ben we really appreciate you guys highlighting the brand it's been awesome to learn about um everything you guys are doing uh make sure you guys who are listening follow along um on, on instagram tiktok what's your tiktok is it just bluegrass distillers i think it's just bluegrass distillers yeah, I just followed it. I just okay. followed it. Thanks, Thanks for, for the follow, Alex. Checking that, Alex. <laughs> it's like it's new. The TikTok, TikTok <laughs> at Bluegrass Distillers. Follow along. Uh, thank you guys again, Alex. Thanks for joining us. And always remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. That's it for this episode of Bourbon with Friends. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a review to make it easier for others to find the show. You can also check us out on Instagram at BWF Podcast. Thanks for listening.